Okay, good fach. We are on Ayin Ches Amid Beis, 78b, the bottom line. Tan Rabban. Gana v'nasan la'achar. Somebody steals it, and instead of him being the one to, to shecht it, he gives it to someone else to shecht. Or gana v'nasan la'achar, or somebody steals it, instead of the robber being the one to sell it, somebody else sells it. So in this case, since that somebody else did it uh, for the robber, so we say that he that that's considered uh, um, as if the robber did it, and therefore he has to pay dollar the hay. Gun of a higdish. Let's say somebody steals it and then gives it as a higdish. We had this before that the owner had to give up hope of getting it back, and then the robber would be able to be makdish it. Gun of a hikif. Uh, the person stole it and he sold it on credit. Uh, a gun of vehiklif. He switched it out. Gun of matana. He gave it away. Gun of parakov. He paid a debt. Gun of parabakefa. Or he um, he paid for things that he bought on credit. Gun of vishiluksavlonus beischama. Or he sent the uh, the stolen uh, animal to his father-in-law as a gift. So on all of these, he's transferred possession. So misham tashlumi arivachamisha. They're all basically the. The, the, he's done the penalty. He's he stole it and then he's removed it from his possession. So the said, "My Kamashbalan, what does this teach us?" New, Ashmina. First of all, the first case taught us Ganav Nasan Laaka Betavach. In the first case where he stole it and he gave it to someone else to shek the Yeshliyach Lidvaravera. Normally, you would have said the other person didn't have to listen to the robber and shecked it for him, and so therefore it's not the robber's sin. And, cause, and we normally say, somebody doesn't represent me. He has the choice to sin. But over here, we say that he is the messenger of the robber. Even though in most halachas, we say that you can't represent a person to do a sin. Here, specifically, the Torah is telling you, even though someone else did it for the robber, that's considered like he did it, and the robber will face the penalty. And what's the reason? It compares the shechting to the selling. Now, when you sell it, you, the only way the robber can sell it is if there's somebody who buys it from him. Just like when he sells it, it's impossible to happen unless there's somebody else. So too, he can shecht it even if he has someone else do the shechting, he'll be responsible to pay. And the seifa tells us that if he steals it and gives it to the base Amigdash, that that's the same as giving it to another person. Why would it be any different if you sell it to a private person? When you're makdish, it's as if you sold it to Hashem. Either way, the robber will have to pay. New Mishnah. So here the question is going to be, at what stage is it considered stolen? If you move an animal, uh, even if you're thinking of stealing it, uh, that doesn't necessarily give you possession of it. That's not the final act of theft. If you take it out of his uh, property, that's theft. If you pick it up, that's theft. So a god of Bishus Bailim, let's say he stole it and it's still and the guy's Rishus, but he takes it out of his property uh, or sells it outside his Rishus. Oshaganov, or he stole it outside of the of the property, and then he shafted it even inside the person's property. or he did both things outside the guy's property. Either way, since he's moved it, 
he's taken possession and become an official robber and he'll have to pay penalty. But if he did it all while it was still on the property of the person who owned it, uh, so even though he wasn't supposed to shecht it, and even though he was thinking of stealing it, since it hasn't left that person's rishus, therefore he's potter, he doesn't pay. Hayumoshko, on the other hand, um, so these cases are not necessarily talking about penalty. They just are talking about where a person has the animal and the animal dies. Hayumoshko, the person is taking it out, the yotza, um, he's pulling the animal out, and the animal dies before it leaves that person's property. Potter. Higbio, if he picked up the animal, oh, hotzi, or he took it out, and then the animal died, then he'd be liable. Let's say he gave it to a Kohen, the, either the robber gave it to a Kohen to pick up, or the owner gave it to the Kohen to pick up. Rashi brings both Chatim. Or he gives the animal to someone he owes money, or somebody rents it from him. And the person, the other party, didn't yet receive it. He didn't take it off. It's like a person buys a brand new car, but it doesn't leave the showroom. So if it breaks before it leaves the showroom, so to speak, if the animal dies, uh, he's not liable. But if he picked it up, or he took it out and then the animal died, then he is liable. Boya Maymar, Maymar has the following question. Let's see the Gemara. Tiknu Meshika Bishomrim Olo. So basically, we say um, this concept normally, Minna Torah, when you pay for something, that should make it yours. But the rabbis instituted that it becomes yours when you remove it, when you do Meshika, when you pick it up. So the question here is if you ask, ask somebody to watch your animal, does it become his immediately or only when he picks it up and he moves it? So is there a concept of Meshicha that he has to pull it by people that are watching your animal to be responsible for it or not? The difference would be you say, here, watch my animal, and uh, the animal gets stolen. And if the person who was supposed to watch it said, I never, I never pulled it, I never did anything. And the other guy said, what? You agreed to watch it. So the question is, do you need Meshicha? Does the person who's watching it have to pull it in order to be responsible? So Amr Yemar Tashma. So we, he brings the proof for our Mishnah. Our Mishnah said, if you give an animal over to another party, either the Kohen uh, to redeem the firstborn, or to someone you owe money, or to a person who's watching it, by a Moshka Vyotze, and, and they're on the way out, and the animal dies before it leaves, they're not responsible, my love. And it included the case of the Shomer. So you see, the Shomer doesn't get responsibility until it leaves the other guy's possession, until the Shomer picks it up. You see from here clearly that the Shomer has to take possession to be liable. So Omar, lo Lagana, maybe it's only referring to the case of the robber. The Mara said, yeah, but we learned that already. Well, maybe that's a Ganef who stole from the house of the owner, and this is the Ganef who stole from the Shomer. Don't push me away. Why would there be a difference if a Ganef stole it from the Shomer, or he stole it from the watchman, or he stole it from the original house? So clearly, if this Mishnah is not just talking about the robber, but it's even talking about the Shomer, that he only fully takes possession when he pulls it. He does the Meshichah. You see from here, Tikna Meshichah B'Shomer. 
So basically that when uh, different liabilities or, or things that happen with new ownership or with the watchman, the, the, just like when you acquire something or even the robber acquires something, there has to be a mishika. He has to pull it towards himself. Just like when you buy and sell, you have to pick it up to acquire it. Let's say you pay money for something and it breaks before you get it. You're not liable till you pick it up. So too, they instituted. When people watch, they're not liable until they pick it up. Just like we have Mashiach by, you have to pick it up, you have to pull it towards you. Uh, so too by watching another statement just like the way you acquire land is one of three ways through money, through a document or through establishing ownership by also when you rent something that also works so Gemara said who's renting what kind of rental are we referring to as we turn the page if we're talking about movable things I'm renting a movable item, a taltim in star. Usually you don't write a document on a taltim. We're talking about you're renting land. When you rent land, it also could be acquired one of three ways. Omar Rebeliezer, Ro Shehitman. Now we're going to talk about another concept that is uh, the ganif that pays for dalavahe, pays the penalty of four or five times. The Torah uses the word ganif, not gazlin. It has a, those are two different types. There's a thief and a robber. The goslin is usually somebody who you know who stole it, who steals it with, um, with a gun or with, uh, with violence, or you see him taking it, whereas the ganif takes it in hiding. So why is it that the Torah uh, gives the penalty only for the one who takes it in secret? So that's what we're going to get to. But first he says, Ro Let's say the robber is hiding in the woods near where the animal's pasture. And he takes the animal mucker, so he's going to pay Arba Chamisha. So Gemara says, Why would he pay? Hello, Mashach. He didn't acquire it. It's in public lands. He hit it with a stick, and that makes it his. So, frankly, Gemara, but since you see that this guy is the guy responsible, is hanging out in the trees, so then he's a goslin. He's not a robber, a thief. He's a robber. The Gemara says, Kim de Mitamra but since he's hiding in the in the woods, he's a ganif. The Gemara said, "Ela gazlin hechidami." So give us an example then of a gazlin who's a robber. So I'm Rav Okigon. Let's look at the Torah where it uses that word. It says, "Ben Mitri." He attacked an Egyptian, and he didn't have a weapon, and the Egyptian did. He took the Egyptian's weapon, and that's called yigzal gzela. and he killed him b'chanisa. So you see, the word gzela is something done in the open. Rav Yochanan said, "Gal baleishkam." It says that the residents of Shkem were robbers. They made um, a, like uh, bandits to capture people on the way. Al Roshaharim hiding on the mountaintops. They stole anybody that passed by. Revom. So there are two different psukim that you see what robbers are, what a goslin is. It's somebody that steals in a way that you see who's doing the stealing. So why didn't Revo um, say the proof? Uh, my time Allah Omar my high. Why didn't he learn from that Pasuk in Shechem? The answer is Kiv in the Mitamrad Tumri. Since they were hiding, that's not a goslin. Rav Yochanan, so that's a good point. If they were hiding, they're a thief, not a robber. How to come Mitamri? They weren't hiding because they didn't want to be seen. They were hiding in They they were afraid people would run away and not be captured. But once the people were there, they publicly stole from them, and that's the, why they're a goslin. 
Shelo Tamidas Yochan Ben Zakai. The students asked the great Reb Yochanan Ben Zakai, Why do you have this great penalty by the thief more than the robber? So Omar Lozah Hishvik Kavod Ever Lekavod Kona. The reason why um, is that the um, the um, the robber he has the same respect for people as he does Hashem. He, he's not afraid of anybody. He's not, he's not worried about, uh, he's just stealing because that's what he does. Whereas Whereas the robber, the thief, he's afraid of people. He's just not afraid of Hashem. Kaviyocho, he thinks, uh, he, he doesn't want to be seen, but he says, we believe that Hashem has an eye down here. He thinks that Hashem doesn't see. And the ear down here, woe is to those they pretend like they can hide from Hashem. They said, God doesn't see, he doesn't understand it. They said, Hashem doesn't see. So the one who's a thief, he doesn't want people to see, but he, do, he doesn't acknowledge that Hashem sees. He's thinking about people seeing, yet he doesn't think about Hashem seeing. The one that's a robber, he doesn't care that people see. He's just robbing. Uh, let me give you an idea of what this is like. What is this similar to? To two people, both of them made a party. He invited all the locals, but he didn't invite the princes. He didn't invite the king's sons. So it, since he invited many others and he didn't invite them, he's in trouble. The other one, he didn't invite any of the locals. He didn't invite the king's kids either. So who's going to get the bigger punishment? The one that invited everybody but the king's sons. Here, the robber, uh, sorry, the thief who's afraid of everybody but not Hashem, he's going to get the greater punishment. It's the one who invited the people to the city, not the, king, the king's son. Another halacha. We find that the punishment for stealing an, an ox or a cow is much greater than that of the sheep. Uh, they pay five times for stealing a shore, an ox, and only four times for stealing the sheep. What's the reason? So Gemara says two reasons here. How important it is to be able to, to work. When you steal somebody's ox, they can't plow. So you got to pay five times as a fine. Say, if you stole the sheep, he doesn't work the sheep, so you only have to pay four times. He says a different score. You see how important it is the respect due to people. An ox that the robber steals walks on its own. The robber pays five. He didn't embarrass himself to steal. Whereas Seh, when he stole the, the sheep, he put it on his shoulders. So since he had to demean himself to steal, he only has to pay four times. New Mishnah. There's a rabbinic decree not to allow uh, animals that are going to eat up uh, people's gardens and eat up uh, fields in Eretz Yisrael. But in the area right next to Eretz Yisrael that was conquered by Dov and Amela, called Sura, uh, Syria, or in the wild places, there you could have those kind of animals. Basically, you don't bring them into the civilized areas or the areas of farming. Similarly, we don't allow 
Yushalayim any chickens, because the chickens, they peck in the garbage dumps and they're dead creepies, and we're afraid they're going to make the korbanos tame, because the chickens have little pieces in their beaks, and then they go into the farm and they create trouble. And similarly, Kohanim should never have chickens in Eretz Yisrael, because Kohanim will have taharos, they will have truma and other things in their barn, and having chickens there will create trouble. The chickens will peck at the garbage, and they'll also have pieces of dead creepies that will make them tummy. And uh, Jews, in general, we don't graze pigs. A person should not uh, have a dog unless it's on a leash. A person should not spread nets to catch birds unless he's a distance from the city meaning people have their own pigeons. And if you spread out a net, you're going to be catching uh, people's pigeons. And that's, that's stealing. Even though the pigeons are flying, they belong to the nearby residents. Whereas if you're far away from a city, then you can spread out your net. We don't allow small animals in Eretz Yisrael. But in the forest, you could. Basura, uh, and if you're in the land right next to Eretz Israel that was sometimes like part of Eretz Israel, a few of there you can raise those kind of animals. And certainly outside of Eretz Israel, you can grow those small animals. Tanya, if we learn somewhere else, you can do it in the area of Yehuda, in the wild places. Even though we say you shouldn't do it, uh, these small animals, you are allowed to have the big animals. Because the rabbis didn't make a decree. Now, big animals can also ruin people's crops and get into things, but they felt that that was too strong of a decree for everybody to do. People have a need for cows and other things. And since the majority, not everybody could do that, they allowed big animals. Small animals, you can always bring them from nearby. They, they export easily. Big animals. So that's why they couldn't uh, outlaw them in Eretz Yisrael. Even though we've said that you shouldn't raise uh, small animals, that means for a long period of time. But 30 days or less, for the holidays, you can have them 30 days. If you're making a chasna, you also get 30 days. It doesn't mean you can have them after the chasna or the yant of 30 days. I would have thought, I would have thought that if you got it, from when you get it, as long as 30 days hadn't expired, even if it's two weeks after the holidays, you can leave it around. No We don't say 30 days is okay. Once the holiday's over, the wedding's over, then you shouldn't have them around. But to, to gather them together before the holiday, up to 30 days before, would be acceptable. Okay, good fuck. We are on Ein Ches Amid Beis, 78b, the bottom line. Tan Rabban. Somebody steals it and instead of him being the one to, to shecht it, he gives it to someone else to shecht. Or or somebody steals it, instead of the robber being the one to sell it, somebody else sells it. So in this case, since that somebody else did it uh, for the robber, so we say that, he, that that's considered uh, um, as if the robber did it, and therefore he has to pay dollar the hay. Gun of Higdish, 
Let's say somebody steals it and then gives it as a hegdish. We had this before that the owner had to give up hope of getting it back and then the robber would be able to be makdish it. Uh, the person stole it and he sold it on credit. Uh, he switched it out. He gave it away. He paid a debt. Or he, um, he paid for things that he bought on credit. Or he sent the, uh, the stolen uh, animal to his father-in-law as a gift. So on all of these, he's transferred possession. So Misham Tashlumi They're all basically the the he's done the penalty. He's he stole it and then he's removed it from his possession. So Morris said, My Kamashbalan, what does this teach us new? Ashminan, first of all, the first case taught us Ganavanasan Laaka Vitavak. In the first case where he stole it and he gave it to someone else to check, the Yeshliatvaravera. Normally you would have said the other person didn't have to listen to the robber and shaft it for him, and so therefore it's not the robber's sin. And, and we normally say, somebody doesn't represent me, he has the choice to sin, but over here we say that he is the messenger of the robber, even though in most halachas we say that you can't represent a person to do a sin. Here, specifically, the Torah is telling you, even though someone else did it for the robber, that's considered like he did it, and the robber will face the penalty. And what's the reason? It compares the shechting to the selling. Now, when you sell it, you, the only way the robber can sell it is if there's somebody who buys it from him. Just like when he sells it, it's impossible to happen unless there's somebody else. So, too, he can shecht it, even if he has someone else do the shechting, he'll be responsible to pay. And the Seifa tells us that if he steals it and gives it to the Beis Amigdash, that that's the same as giving it to another person. Why would it be any different if you sell it to a private person? When you're Makdash, it's as if you sold it to Hashem. Either way, the robber will have to pay. New Mishnah. So here the question is going to be, at what stage is it considered stolen? If you move an animal, uh, even if you're thinking of stealing it, uh, that doesn't necessarily give you possession of it. That's not the final act of theft. If you take it out of his uh, property, that's theft. If you pick it up, that's theft. So a god of Bishus Bailim, let's say he stole it and it's still, and the guy's Rishus, but he takes it out of his property uh, or sells it outside his rishus, Oshaganov, or he stole it outside of the of the property, and then he shafted it even inside the person's property, or he did both things outside the guy's property. Either way, since he's moved it, he's taken possession and become an official robber, and he'll have to pay penalty. But if he did it all while it was still on the property of the person who owned it, uh, so even though he wasn't supposed to shecht it, and even though he was thinking of stealing it, since it hasn't left that person's rishos, therefore he's potter, he doesn't pay. Hayumoshko, on the other hand, um, so these cases are not necessarily talking about penalty. They just are talking about where a person has the animal and the animal dies. Hayumoshko, the person is taking it out, the yotza, um, he's pulling the animal out, 
and the animal dies before it leaves that person's property. Potter. Higbio, if he picked up the animal, oh, hotzi, or he took it out, and then the animal died, then he'd be liable. Nasta Lubachorus Beno. Let's say he gave it to a Kohen, the, either the robber gave it to a Kohen to pick up, or the owner gave it to the Kohen to pick up. Rashi brings both just him. Or he gives the animal to someone he or somebody rents it from him. And the person, the other party, didn't yet receive it. He didn't take it off. It's like a person buys a brand new car, but it doesn't leave the showroom. So if it breaks before it leaves the showroom, so to speak, if the animal dies, uh, he's not liable. But if he picked it up, or he took it out and then the animal died, then he is liable. Boya Maymar, Maymar has the following question. Let's see the Gemara. Tiknu Meshika Bishomrim Olo. So basically, we say um, this concept normally, Minna Torah, when you pay for something, that should make it yours. But the rabbis instituted that it becomes yours when you remove it, when you do Meshika, when you pick it up. So the question here is if you ask, ask somebody to watch your animal, does it become his immediately or only when he picks it up and he moves it? So is there a concept of Meshicha that he has to pull it by people that are watching your animal to be responsible for it or not? The difference would be you say, here, watch my animal, and uh, the animal gets stolen. And if the person who was supposed to watch it said, I never, I never pulled it, I never did anything. And the other guy said, what? You agreed to watch it. So the question is, do you need Meshicha? Does the person who's watching it have to pull it in order to be responsible? So Amr Yemar Tashma. So we, he brings a proof for our Mishnah. Our Mishnah said, if you give an animal over to another party, either the Kohen uh, to redeem the firstborn, or to someone you owe money, or to a person who's watching it, by a Moshka Vyotza, and, and they're on the way out, and the animal dies before it leaves, they're not responsible, my love. And it included the case of the Shomer. So you see, the Shomer doesn't get responsibility until it leaves the other guy's possession, until the Shomer picks it up. You see from here clearly that the Shomer has to take possession to be liable. So Omar, lo, lo, Lagana, maybe it's only referring to the case of the robber. The Mara said, yeah, but we learned that already. Well, maybe that's a Ghana who stole from the house of the owner, and this is the Ganef who stole from the Shomer. Don't push me away. Why would there be a difference if a Ganef stole it from the Shomer, or he stole it from the watchman, or he stole it from the original house? So clearly, if this Mishnah is not just talking about the robber, but it's even talking about the Shomer, that he only fully takes possession when he pulls it. He does the Meshichah. You see from here, Tikna Meshichah B'Shom. So basically that when uh, different liabilities or, or things that happen with new ownership or with a watchman, the, the, just like when you acquire something or even the robber acquires something, there has to be a mashikha. He has to pull it towards himself. Just like when you buy and sell, you have to pick it up to acquire it. Let's say you pay money for something and it breaks before you get it. You're not liable till you pick it up. So too they instituted when people watch, they're not liable until they pick it up. Just like we have Meshicha by, you have to pick it up, you have to pull it towards you. Uh, so too by watching. Another statement. Just like the way you acquire land 
is one of three ways through money, through a document, or through establishing ownership by kach skirasnik. Also, when you rent something, that also works at kesher shavuachazach. So Gemara said, "Who's renting? Ile miskiras. What kind of rental are we referring to?" As we turn the page, I intest summit beis ile miskiras the metaltali. If we're talking about movable things, I'm renting a movable item metaltal benestar. Usually, you don't write a document on metaltal. We're talking about you're renting land. When you rent land, it also could be acquired one of three ways. Omar Rebeliezer, Ro Shehitman. Now we're going to talk about another concept that is uh, the Ganif that pays for Dalavahe, pays the penalty of four or five times. The Torah uses the word Ganif, not Goslin. It has a, those are two different types. There's a thief and a robber. The Goslin is usually somebody who you know who stole it, who steals it with. Um, with a gun or with uh, with violence, or you see him taking it, whereas the Ganif takes it in hiding. So why is it that the Torah uh, gives the penalty only for the one who takes it in secret? So that's what we're going to get to. But first he says, Ro shehitmin Let's say the robber is hiding in the woods near where the animal's pasture, and he takes the animal, so he's going to pay Arba Chamisha. So Gemara says, why would he pay? Hello, Mashach. He didn't acquire it. It's in public lands. He hit it with a stick, and that makes it his. So But since you see that this guy is the guy responsible, is hanging out in the trees, so then he's a goslin. He's not a robber, a thief. He's a robber. The Gemara says, But since he's hiding in the, in the woods, he's a ganif. The Gemara said, Hello, goslin, hechidami. So give us an example then of a goslin who's a robber. So I'm Rav Okigon. Let's look at the Torah where it uses that word. It says, He attacked an Egyptian and he didn't have a weapon and the Egyptian did. He took the Egyptian's weapon and that's called Yigzal, Gzela. He killed him. So you see the word Gzela is something done in the open. Rav Yochanan said, It says that the residents of Shkem were robbers. They made um, uh, like uh, bandits to capture people on the way, Al Roshaharim hiding on the mountaintops. They stole anybody that passed by. Revom. So there are two different psukim that you see what robbers are, what a goslin is. It's somebody that steals in a way that you see who's doing the stealing. So why didn't Revo um, say the proof? Uh, my time Allah Omr my high. Why didn't he learn from that Pasuk in Shechem? The answer is since they were hiding, that's not a goslin. Rev Yochanan, so that's a good point. If they were hiding, they're a thief, not a robber. How to come Tamri? They weren't hiding because they didn't want to be seen. They were hiding. They were afraid people would run away and not be captured. But once the people were there, they publicly stole from them, and that's why they're a goslin. Shalom Tamidah Sir Yochan Ben Zakai. The students asked the great Rev Yochanan Ben Zakai, Why do you have this great penalty by the thief more than the robber? So Omar Lozah Hishvik covered ever the covered Kona. The reason why um, is that the um, the um, the robber he has the same respect for people as he does Hashem. He, he's not afraid of anybody. He's not, he's not worried about, uh, he's just stealing because that's what he does. Whereas there, whereas the robber, the thief, he's afraid of people. He's just not afraid of Hashem. He thinks, 
uh, he he doesn't want to be seen, but he says, Asa Ein Shomata, we believe that Hashem has an eye down here. He thinks that Hashem doesn't see. Va'ozen Shomata, and the ear down here, Ki'ilu Enu Shema, Shinemra, Hoi, woe is to those who ma'achim Hashem, Lister Eitzah, they pretend like they can hide from Hashem, by Mechashik Maseyem. They said God doesn't see, and he doesn't understand They said Hashem doesn't see. So the one who's a thief, he doesn't want people to see, but he he doesn't acknowledge that Hashem sees. He's thinking about people seeing, yet he doesn't think about Hashem seeing. The one that's a robber, he doesn't care that people see. He's just robbing. Amar uh, Amir, Mashal, Mashal, let me give you an idea of what this is like. What is this similar to? To two people, Shaobi'ir, Vaso Mishta, both of them made a party. Echad Zimenes Meneir, he invited all the locals. Well, Lo Zimenes but he didn't invite the princes. He didn't invite the king's sons. So it, since he invited many others and he didn't invite them, he's in trouble. The other one, he didn't invite any of the locals. Well, Lo Zimenes, he didn't invite the king's kids either. So who's going to get the bigger punishment? The one that invited everybody but the king's sons. Here, the robber, I'm sorry, the thief who's afraid of everybody but not Hashem, he's going to get the greater punishment. It's the one who invited the people of the city below Zimen and not the king's son. Another halacha. We find that the punishment for stealing an, an ox or a cow is much greater than that of the sheep. They pay five times for stealing a shore, an ox, and only four times for stealing the sheep. What's the reason? So Gemara says two reasons here. How important it is to be able to, to work. When you steal somebody's ox, they can't plow. So you got to pay five times as a fine. Say, if you stole the sheep, he doesn't work the sheep, so you only have to pay four times. He says a difference for Abrius. You see how important it is the respect due to people. An ox that the robber steals walks on its own. The robber pays five. He didn't embarrass himself to steal. Whereas Seh, when he stole the sheep, he put it on his shoulders. So since he had to demean himself to steal, he only has to pay four times. New Mishnah. There's a rabbinic decree not to allow uh, animals that are going to eat up uh, people's gardens and eat up uh, fields in Eretz Israel. But in the area right next to Eretz Israel that was conquered by David Amela called Sura, uh, Syria, or in the wild places, there you could have those kind of animals. Basically, you don't bring them into the civilized areas or the areas of farming. Similarly, we don't allow Yushalayim any chickens, because the chickens, they peck in the garbage dumps and they're dead creepies, and we're afraid they're going to make the karbanas tame, because the chickens have little pieces in their beaks, and then they go into the farm and they create trouble. And similarly, Kohanim should never have chickens in Eretz Yisrael, because Kohanim will have taharos, they will have truma and other things in their barn, and having chickens there will create trouble. The chickens will peck at the garbage, and they'll also have pieces of dead creepies that will make them tummy. And uh, Jews, in general, we don't graze pigs. A person should not uh, have a dog unless it's on a leash. A person should not spread 
nets to catch birds, unless he's a distance from the city, meaning people have their own pigeons. And if you spread out a net, you're going to be catching uh, people's pigeons, and that's, that's stealing. Even though the pigeons are flying, they belong to the nearby residents, whereas if you're far away from a city, then you can spread out your net. We don't allow small animals in Eretz Yisrael. But in the forest, you could. Uh, and if you're in the land right next to Eretz Yisrael that was sometimes like part of Eretz Yisrael, there you can raise those kind of animals. And certainly outside of Eretz Yisrael, you can grow those small animals. Tanya, if we learn somewhere else. But Midbar Sheba, you can do it in the area of Yehuda in the wild places. Midbar Sheba Sefarakha. Even though we say you shouldn't do it, uh, the small animals, you are allowed to have the big animals. Because the rabbis didn't make a decree. Now, big animals can also ruin people's crops and get into things, but they felt that that was too strong of a decree for everybody to do. People have a need for cows and other things. And since the majority, not everybody could do that, they allowed big animals. Small animals, you can always bring them from nearby. They, they export easily. Behemagasa, big animals, so that's why they couldn't uh, outlaw them in Eretz Yisrael. Even though we've said that you shouldn't raise uh, small animals, that means for a long period of time. But 30 days or less, for the holidays, you can have them 30 days. If you're making a chasna, you also get 30 days. It doesn't mean you can have them after the chasna or the yant of 30 days. I would have thought, I would have thought that if you got it, from when you get it, as long as 30 days hadn't expired, even if it's two weeks after the holidays, you can leave it around. We don't say 30 days is okay. Once the holiday's over, the wedding's over, then you shouldn't have them around. But to, to gather them together before the holiday, up to 30 days before, would be acceptable.